Welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. This is the podcast that reviews or celebrates, in a way, the critically panned movies out there. And we try to find good things to say about them. And we get special guests like today. Yes. Uh, to talk about a guilty pleasure or a film that we can find common ground with. Is that, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I present them as an unpopular opinion because guilty pleasures. And um, I realise that every time I do one of these, I, I, I explain to our guest that we used to record them guilty pleasures and now we record them for them as guilty pleasures. And yeah. I, I, I'm just going to stop doing that and just ask them to talk about their film. I think it would be easier and it, in the long run, it would make us all happier. Yeah, I think you're right because we want to spread joy in the world, not damn things to pieces. But you, you managed to collar an old friend of the podcast back, didn't you? I did. I managed to get hold of Adele Drover, um, who you might remember Chris uh, spoke to um, about Van Helsing, and it kind of kicked off a whole sort of dark universe uh, yes. run for us. So um, we managed to get her back in, um, which is good because uh, she's started a new job. So she was very busy. So we were lucky to uh, get her in. And we spoke about Valerian and a city of a thousand, well, thousand planets. Mm. (laughs) Do you know what's interesting about that is I got that title wrong during the interview as well. So there you go. Fucking consistency. Well done, Matthew. Cheers. Um, No, nothing like looking like an absolute idiot in front of a guest is there. Twice, yeah, yeah, so yeah. That um, but it. that's that's another Clive Owen film as well, isn't it? Because we did uh, shoot him up a while ago. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Clive Owen's in there. Um, Cara Delevingne's also in it. Um, and I thought, well, you will see what we, what we thought of their performances. But I've been watching the old, uh, the old fairy porno, the old uh, Carnival Row. On... Oh, is it any good? It's good. We watched it. Oh, Cara Delevingne can actually act. It just seems that the um, apparently she wasn't the problem with this film. <laughs> there was other issues. So yeah, she, she's um, she's good in it. She yeah, she's uh, she's very believable. The, the fairy world they, they 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 bring up is incredibly believable. It's very good. Enjoyed it. Okay, I might have to check that out on your account. Obviously, not on mine. Don't, um, don't tell them. Amazon will <laughs> shut me down. Oh, yeah, a couple of warnings. Okay. <laughs> you are on two devices. <laughs> I was like, I? Oh shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the, the the film Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, I thought was pretty, pretty decent. It was very long, um, but it had a good, I- good ideas, I think, and some pretty decent special effects. But it just went on a bit, didn't it? Uh, it was, it was uh, a lot of style over substance, I think, once you start driving into it. And it, um, some of it's batshit crazy. But um, let's see what Adele had to say about it. Here's the interview. Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. Um, it's Matt and today I'm joined again by Adele Drover. Hello Adele. Oh, hi Matt, thanks for having me back. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Adele was, was previously with us and talking about Van Helsing and um, started off a whole universe trait for us there. So we're wondering if this one will kick off the same sort of thing again. <laughs> oh Van Helsing, oh brings me back. I enjoyed that conversation talking about Van Helsing so much. It is one of my uh, secret, you know, guilty pleasure favourite movies. <laughs> stuff. So um, what have you been up to since we um, last spoke? Not we, but since you and Chris last spoke, this is my first time. 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a lot has happened since uh, since I was last on the podcast. Actually, uh, not a lot has happened according to my YouTube channel, Roll Credits, where you know you can find me doing uh, film reviews and all that good stuff. But the channel itself has been super quiet because um, uh, my day job has sort of taken over. I've started a new job working for uh, the man, working for Facebook. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm working, um, I'm video producing over at Facebook uh, in London and uh, it's been taking up all my time, sadly. So I've been really, uh, yeah, not been not been on uh, the movie movie train lately. Not been seeing all the new stuff come out. You know, I've not even seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet. So oh right, okay. Disappointing, I know. Damn those day jobs. I know. <laughs> Getting in the way of life. Yeah, so true. I <laughs> saw so, um, an interesting topic about the uh, the Facebook um, uh, sort of recruitment procedure because I'm um, I'm an engineer and uh, it was just uh, it was weird to just see the sort of like. Uh, absolute sort of net fishing they do for engineers, just bringing them in through the doors, just constantly feeding. Yes, yes. Uh, when there are new intakes for uh, the new, uh, yeah, noobs as they call them, when the noobs come in, <laughs> uh, it is, uh, yeah, you can you can tell you can you can pick them out of the crowd. You're like, yep, you're a new starter. You're a new starter. Do you know why? Can I give you the like the insider tip about how you know if somebody's just started at Facebook? Um, <laughs> it's because they have like a crazy amazing uh, cafeteria. You know, it's all food, all free. Uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all Ooh. free, and all like very good food. Uh, and yeah, so the, if it, if you're a new starter, you can tell. If, because you'll have more than one plate balanced <laughs> on your on your in your hands. <laughs> that whole sort of buffet reaction to what I can take as much as I want. Exactly, like their their eyes just kind of widen. It's all free every day, and they just yeah pile it on. <laughs> I, I got a free ice cream at work once, so uh, I can uh, totally get on board of that. Um, we was only allowed the one, so it was it wasn't so easy to tell. Everyone just had one ice cream. <laughs> Hey, it's the, it's the little things. So um, obviously your data's been really busy, but have you seen anything good? Because we, we do like to take these small opportunities to speak about good films if we can. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, speak about a good film before we uh, launch into what we're speaking about next. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I haven't seen anything new. I admit that I, uh, I don't think I've seen anything really. I didn't get to see The Lion King. I didn't get to see Toy Story 4. I am so far behind. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to share this. Um, but what the, was the last great thing I saw? Occasionally when you uh, miss out on these cinema things, it, it kind of mm-hmm. makes your subscription TV suddenly pay off. Because like eight months from now, you'd be like, I can watch this. And I haven't this, watched it already. Mm-hmm, this is true. I've been watching a lot of TV, actually. I've been watching the new HBO series, Euphoria, starring oh, yeah. Zendaya. And um, that's been really amazing it's a difficult watch it goes in some really goes to really dark places but uh it's just filmed brilliantly and, and really cool that is on my list of things to watch actually so i will i will push that up a little bit further i think recommend it yes i noticed from your, your twitter feed as well that you're um or at least were a fellow trailer avoider are you still a trailer avoider i <laughs> you know what i am for the most part i i really am i I guess I do it intentionally, but um, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I avoid the trailers when I can. Actually, and specifically for the Marvel movies, I do avoid them. I do yeah. remember, was it for Endgame? Yeah, I, 
I was in a, in the cinema watching something else, and when the Endgame uh, trailer came out, I I literally put my uh, yeah head in my hands and blocked my ears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went to that length. <clears throat> yeah, I took the uh, the decision a couple of years ago to stop watching trailers because they were ruining. Because it, it was always stuck in my head. Like there's always be a scene in the trailer that was stuck in my head, and yeah. the whole way through the film, just sat waiting for it, and it's just like yeah. Oh. Exactly. And you get that also bit where they put the funny bit in the trailer and then I know, I know. have to pretend it's amusing still. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I really agree. And actually, maybe we can talk about this a little bit later in our conversation too, talking about trailers and marketing and how uh, that can kind of like that mismarketing. Because I feel like the trailer for the film Valerian uh, was really kind of badly put together, badly marketed. And I think that's, contributed to the whole uh the whole flop shall we say quote unquote flop. you let the cat out of the bag obviously so oh, um, oh you're, you're, uh, that's okay it was i mean we, we talked about this on our podcast before we kind of diced around what we're going to talk about but then i realized the other day that it's, it's in the podcast title so <laughs> it's um our sort of like little dance at the beginning of the podcast is, is really unnecessary. I feel it's like, what is it going to be? It's like, I, I, I picked it out the list because it had Valerian in the title. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so you picked um, Valerian, oh, what's it, what's it, City of a Thousand Worlds? Planets. Planets. Damn my eyes. Sweet home. Because the sky is blue, it makes me cry. Because the sky is We get on just great. You flirt. I smile. Yeah, we're a team. So this is the film you've picked. Um, so can you tell us why? Uh, well, I can tell you why before we even talk about, you know, going to the plot or anything like that. But the yep. reason that I picked this one is because uh, I did not see this at the cinema and I did not see it uh, when it came out uh, because the reviews just obliterated it, um, any hopes that it would be good for me. And I... I want, it was a movie that I, it was a genre right up my alley, you know, sci-fi, big space spectacle, but um, the reviews were so, so terrible that I never saw it. I just, 
I was just, I just couldn't bring, work up the courage to see it. So it's been sitting at my, on my must watch list at the bottom of the list. And it just keeps getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. Uh, and then coming on the podcast today was a perfect reason to watch it. <laughs> oh, so you hadn't seen it before this or? I actually had not, no. Oh, wow. So this gave you a, an excuse and a reason to see it. Exactly, exactly. So you kind of, uh, in a good way though, you know, because I, I wanted to see it because uh, it kind of comes up quite often. People do talk about this film, yeah. uh, not, not in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> I, the story is incredibly similar to my own with this film. Um, it was in, it, before it, like, it got to the cinemas, it was one that was incredibly interesting because like, uh, you know, Luc Besson with The Fifth Element and Leon, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just, they're just great films that, you know, you can watch infinitely. It's just, uh, there's just no reason not to watch those films if you see that you flick past them. Um, I didn't get a chance to see this in the cinema. And again, I, because of the reviews, very much like yourself, it's like, oh, that's going to be horribly disappointing. So I ended up just catching it randomly on TV or something when it was on, I think, rather than anything else. So, you think? You see, you don't even well, remember the experience of going. I, did, I don't, it was just, yeah, it was such a sort of <laughs> passive experience. It's like, oh God, there's that film I really wanted to watch. <laughs> I know, I know. And, you know, Luke Besson, yeah, he's, he carries such a weight to him because The Fifth Element and, and Leon, The Professional, are such, uh, you know, cult classics. And, well, The Fifth Element for me is just... A masterpiece. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. like cheesy space goodness. Uh, I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> cheesy space goodness is always good. Um, okay, so uh, what did you think then? <laughs> now that you've watched it. So, so, what did I think as a first time watch for Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets? Um, okay, well, see, I kind of went into this with as open a mind as possible because I already knew you know, how terrible the reviews were. I was already expecting, I guess, the, the things that I already couldn't avoid hearing um, that preempted my watching of it was uh, the, the chemistry between the leads, Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne being non-existent. I think yeah. that was the main thing that I heard about this film without having really read any reviews or anything. You know, just passively absorbed that the, the chemistry was non-existent. So I went into it with, like, with an open mind as possible. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a mess. Yeah, it was a mess. It's not been around. <laughs> the, the, the grand spectacle was there. The visual effects were, were, were pretty striking and colourful and exciting. And, and the, the world was there. I don't know if the world building was there, but the... The, the world reaching out was kind of there. You can see Luc Besson's mind yeah. um, in all those visual elements uh, and all those aliens and all the races and all those sort of things. But um, the story was just cringeworthy. <laughs> I think if you showed anyone like the first five minutes of this film, five, five, five minutes of this film, and, and they are, you know, have come across uh, Luc Besson's work before, they would go, oh, is this a, a Luc Besson film? Because it's it just uh-huh. like the, the, the design of the aliens and this, the sort uh-huh. of uh, feel of it is just, it just oozes it. Um, and it is, you, you can't take away from the film, it's, it's gorgeous to look at at all mm-hmm. points. There is an, a part in it where they're sort of the effects break down or anything like that. It's just, it's just a gorgeous feast for the eyeballs. 
<laughs> face for the eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. That's why, yeah, people were saying that, uh, and I don't know, do you agree that we spend the majority of the movie with the least likable uh, characters in the universe? <laughs> in um, this universe? <laughs> it, it is one of those very rare films where the people that you're meant to care about and, you know, really get behind you, you kind of want to see them get eaten by something <laughs> because they are horrible people <laughs> i know i know they're just they uh, and these are the our title characters this is valerian <laughs> and uh yes. and of course uh, uh laureline i know they're just they're really they're really really bland and uh i think dane dahan i mean i don't mind him, but he's no, you know, young Han Solo. He's no <laughs> young Harrison Ford or, you know, he's trying to be that like charming bad boy. And I don't think he's got that at all. What did you think? Um, I, he's a strange um, actor for me because um, I don't think I've enjoyed anything that he's been in apart from Chronicle where um, his kind of brood and inability to act paid <laughs> off. Um, it, it really kind of fit the role 100%. But since then, he's just kind of like, you know, oh, it's the guy from Chronicle. We're cast him in something, you know, in Spider-Man and in this. And it's just like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just The dialogue between the two mains often, to me, felt like the run-through. So they've just been given the script uh-huh. and that they're just sort of like, you know, saying the words to get through... You know, like okay, that's good. That's the that's the, that's the scene timing sorted, and then like, should we do it for real now? And it's like, oh no, no, we got that in the bag. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need to do it again. That's fine. Um, it, it's yeah, it just feels like um, I don't know. Maybe that I don't know what it is. I I think people are giving um, Cara Delevingne's performance more of a pass than uh, Dane DeHaan, and I would agree with that. I think she's yeah. more passable. I mean. I just think it's because he's just trying to fit this, uh, this, uh, yeah, Han Solo sort of character and it's just not suiting him at all. Um, he should embrace his sort of, I don't know, whatever his sort of thing is, (laughs) not trying to copy, (laughs) uh, because, yeah, and then in the beginning of it, when they, our first introduction to the two of them, it's just oh. the most awkward encounter. They're, they're sort of in this simu- uh, simulation, beach simulation, and uh, they do this, like, little <laughs> banter thing, and then he's like, oh, why won't you go out with me? And she's like, oh, it's because you're such a bad boy. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> and, and the whole time they're kind of wrestling over a mango juice or something. <laughs> I which know, which, which never gets spilt despite the <laughs> intricate arm bending that is exactly. randomly going on. I mean, if like, you know, if she didn't f- finally warm to him, she'd have a hell of a case for HR. Yeah. Um, because um, like, she's just gone in there to yeah. tell him that it's time to go to work. Yeah. And, and he like totally flips her over the bed and just kind of <laughs> pins her down. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's not okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't think, um, I don't think that scene has aged well into 2019. <laughs> But so quick, up. so quickly, it's badly <laughs> aged. Weirdly, when I was watching all of the interactions between the two mains, Dane and Kara, it reminded me of um, an, an, another pleasure of uh, work on this podcast as we get to see so many wonderful films, <laughs> is that we recently tried to, unfortunately, clickbait our audience by reviewing The Avengers, 
but not any of the good ones, the um, Ralph Fiennes, Uma Thurman Avengers. Um, which <laughs> I don't know if you've seen. No, I, I can't say that I have. <laughs> okay, well, if you want to make this film better and you want to see somebody uh, a pairing with worst chemistry and worst banter, Mm-hmm. Uh, check it out there's a there's a scene in it where they're fencing and flirting and it's 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 worse than the mango juice scene <laughs> wow wow yeah. okay now <laughs> see now i'm cu- now you've piqued my interest and this is the thing this is one of the biggest pros for um the film valerian that came out from all the negative uh reviews and that was when everyone was canning how bad this film was, I thought to myself, it couldn't possibly be that bad. I need to see it for myself. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, it did get my interest, not in the right way that I think the director, uh, Luc Besson, hoped that it would get people's att- uh, attention, but <laughs> it got my attention. It got your attention, okay. So that's good. Norm, but sometimes, I mean, I, I was kind of hoping that you'd sort of go, that my expectations were set so low that when I finally watched it, like all the sort of slightly small little good bits, the little glimmers that you get. Mm-hmm. By, um, basically everyone apart from the two main characters is kind of, mm. is good. So um, in terms of the plot then, so um, these two characters are kind of like, I don't know, special forces, spy kind of guys. Yeah, they call themselves agents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that works, right? So, um, and the, but I can't remember in which order it was. And bizarrely, this is, I watched it over the last two days, so that was that's weird. I can't remember. Um, I watched it in the last two days too, and I also don't know. <laughs> so we have like this setup of this um, peaceful kind of indigenous race on a beach. Yes. They're yes, basically like the, gonna, the pearls, right? The pearls, which because confused me because they also deal with pearls. Also <laughs> confused me, yes. <laughs> so I'm like, are they talking about the people? Or the yeah. pearls. <laughs> and as soon as I saw these wonderful, peaceful, very one with nature loving people, I, I knew they were going to die. Because <laughs> that's what happens to all peaceful, lovely <laughs> yeah. people that are in tune with nature. There's always a, a horrendous thing happening to them. So, and, and, and that kind of, that opening scene is, is, is again, like this, the rest of it, because I guess it's mostly CGI and special effects, is actually, um, it's, it's quite good, that bit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The the the, um, the characters, their the pearls, their skin is all shimmery and the yeah, effect, quite it's very striking. Yeah. And they're kind of like skinny avatar type people. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good description. Very yogury. <laughs> they they strike me as yoga people. Yeah, they're they're gonna die, of course. You they're know, it's die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they die in a big explosion, and then there's kind of the last we see of them, and then we're introduced. I think that's then we see the the, the Cara and Dane on the ship, uh, getting ready to go to a mission to um, a, a weird marketplace. Yeah, it's a uh, the planet or oh, planet? No, it's a station, space station Alpha that has uh, representatives from all the alien life forms uh, on it. I read an interesting fact. Uh, so you, you know in the opening scene where you got like uh, the sort of the growth of the station with all the introductions to people. Mm-hmm. So first of all, it's the Russians, and then it's various aliens, etc. Um, mm-hmm. Is that they're all um, the people, the captains introducing themselves are all writers and directors that Luke Besson had previously worked with? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's you pretty go. cool. I thought you were going to say actually that that one of those uh, was I feel was like a cameo of the alien race in. 
the fifth element. Did you notice that? Yeah, one of the ones with the sort of the waddling, arms. the waddling yeah. ones. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're very similar. You obviously run out of ideas on the. I think there are two hundred alien races on in, in, featured in, in the film, so you forgive him for maybe you know plagiarizing his own work at all. I forgive him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also if for, for that one thing. Yeah. There's also a cameo by um, Rutger Hauer right at the start. Ah, oh, yes, yes, I did. And I kept waiting for him to come back, and, and he, he, he didn't. <laughs> no, none of our good cameos in this film come back. There's a few, uh, a few fun actors who make, a, make cameos, and they, don't, they do one scene, and then they're gone. Yeah, I, I wonder if they read the script. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So uh, the, the thing blows up to so, the marketplace scene. So what did you think of that? The marketplace. Oh, when you said marketplace before, you were talking about the ma- the marketplace. Sorry, I got confused with the space station with all the races. Okay. The first thing that they're going on the mission to that marketplace, which is actually pretty cool. I really did yeah. the the um the concept behind this uh, marketplace that exists on a plain desert plain and you see nothing from the eye but then it's a, a, the actual marketplace is in a different dimension so you put on your goggles and your headset and then it's like this is it fourth dimension i don't know what he said some kind of dimension there's there's um, a dimension somewhere yeah. dimension, <laughs> and then the whole marketplace opens up that was really cool the yeah. that concept for that scene i i quite like that i wasn't quite sure why it was guarded like um yeah so i think the logic kind of lost me for well a lot of the movie i feel like the logic isn't quite there like it doesn't quite add up so why firstly are those two the only agents involved in the mission like i feel like there's stuff that it's explained throughout the film that's so obvious and then other stuff that kind of needs a bit of reasoning behind it it's like what I don't even know where to start, actually. <laughs> I'm like, how, how far, how much time do we have? How far into do we get? Uh, I was uh, watching this breakdown of one of the scenes in the marketplace and it's like there's a couple of mistakes as well. Like Dane comes, so he's tracking, what are they trying to do? They're trying to stop this. Well, they're, they're trying to get the little armadillo fella. Yeah, yeah. So this black market dealer is selling some like highly classified at Armadillo, and um, <laughs> they need to confiscate it, I guess. He's an agent sent in to confiscate this black market item. Yeah. Um, this Armadillo uh, thing replicates, doesn't it? Like you feed it something and then it just kind of shucks loads of these things. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a, they call it like a converter. So I guess whatever yeah. you, is it whatever you feed it, it converts? Or is it? See, I had struggles with the name because it, it does it convert or does it just multiply? So surely a multiplier well, would have had a better thought, name for it. <laughs> I thought she called it a converter. Like I felt like. Yeah, they all call it converter at, at some point. Yeah. Like, surely it would have yeah. had a name as well because it's like an animal. No one's going to have gone, hey, look, it's a converter. <laughs> I know, I know. And like the logic of the converter, the animal was a bit strange as well. I don't know. It was all a bit strange. What did you think about the marketplace scene? Uh, it, it was enjoyable, I think, because, like I say, it was a really interesting concept. And um, I, but I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand why he needed the weird box thing for his hand yeah. and a that's gun. What I because... mean, that's what I mean about the logic kind of not 
not going playing through like the through line of the logic wasn't quite there it's kind of I was kind of on the tip of it like I was like okay so we're in another dimension so he has this giant box machine thing that he needs to put his arm in in order to reach from one dimension to the other dimension yeah then it doesn't quite all the dots don't quite connect because it's there and then it's not there and then he's falling through all these layers in the marketplace and then some people can see him and some can't yeah do you know what I mean yeah, and like he can get hurt. Can he get hurt? <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, can he just his hand get hurt? I mean, I which just... part of it? And if it's just that, then surely you'd be better off not putting your hand in the box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Hmm, a bit strange. It's a bit odd. But then I had a, a, a kind of cool chase sequence of a large kind of dog thing. And they did that yes. typical thing where no one else's lives matter apart from their oh, own. I know. I know. So they. Did you also think that one of the guards in the, um, what is it, the company that was with them, traveling with them, he was, he had, they gave him quite a lot to do. Like his face was like quite, I don't know, he had a few lines and he had like, it wasn't just like a side character. I felt like yes. he was a character. And then, no, he, his life doesn't matter. He's, <laughs> his life matters nothing to me now yeah nothing nothing carnage carnage <laughs> um, was it the mugger from the fifth element or did he just look a lot like him you know the one with the where's the hat with like the picture of the hallway on it in fifth element and then it's like eh, that, that guy <laughs> was it i don't know i just suddenly kind of thought maybe that was him um, because you know what matt that would make more sense because it felt like that luke Basson was kind of pointing out this character and then he died. So it kind of felt like he was somebody important. Yeah. So, uh, let's go with it was, and okay, then okay. the internet can shout us down <laughs> if that doesn't turn out to be true. And if it wasn't, then it should have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's enough, right? Um, we had a, in fact, even I think a nice hat is like the, that line gets used twice, right? Fifth element that he had said a nice hat to him and then. Yeah. 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 And she, oh. she tells the, the guy who does have a nice hat that he has a, a nice hat this time. Oh, such a good movie. I, I should have, yeah. I'm, I feel like watching that movie now. Uh, well, as a bit of sort of mind bad, bleach. <laughs> that's it, to take the bad taste out of my mouth. That is uh, Valerian. <laughs> so moving on into the, the middle part of the movie. And yes. we've got the lead character's making bad decisions just like just 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 doing things that kind of don't really make a lot of sense and then you've got generic generals and uh you know generic army guys on a space station um just yelling and 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 yeah throwing their weight around um there's a lot of shouting and a lot of locked files which (laughs) you feel is a little bit lazy (laughs) Very, very lazy. And especially when things like, oh, this file is classified and he's like trying to un- declassify it and in the middle of the working, you know, space office. People <laughs> and it's like, why is this un- not classified? Or why he obviously hasn't read his, um, you know, security memo. He should be like, uh, in a side room. He should like <laughs> keep his password safe. Oh, and then there's like, and then they have this big, a meeting with representatives from all the alien races. What is that meeting about? A big human. Yes. So this is where the sort of second kind of plot Mm -hmm. manifests itself. Cause at the center of this big space station, there's a, 
there's a, a sort of a, a dead zone they pointed out that was is is and this doesn't ever make sense <laughs> even later on now i'm thinking about it so yeah it's like a, a it's poisonous and it's growing and yes. so but like the general is saying this is things poisonous and growing we later find out it's a bad man and doing bad things to bad uh, to to nice people um <laughs> but then like makes a big fuss um and points out exactly where they are to everyone it's like Hey, this glowing red dot on the map. Don't go there. It's thingy bob. It's dangerous, and, uh, and like they would never have gone yeah. there. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It's just a lot of just exposition, and yeah. And did we also mention that the general is played by Clive Owen, who looks Clive like he Owen. has completely checked out. He's <laughs> he's he's there, but he's not there. <laughs> He's there in uniform alone, I feel. He's there in shiny green uniform. But a lot, lot of badges. I mean, I was impressed by the sheer uh, density of badge this man was, was capturing. I mean, he obviously <laughs> has lived, lived a life. Lived a life, yes, as, as we find out later. Uh, making the difficult decisions. And, and you know, he's, he's put together as a baddie. Like, he's the kind of the bad guy of the story. And you know from the, you know, pretty early on that he's somebody not to be trusted because Laureline doesn't kind of trust him right off the bat. So, yeah. you know, she, she's one of our leads. So if she doesn't trust him, you know, you've got your guard up about Clive Owen, the general. But further down the line, one of those things that really kind of bothered me is that he's painted as this bad guy, but he's, he just, he's just making military decisions. They're not that evil. You know, they're not like evil and conniving. He's just kind of doing what he thinks is right as a military man. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, we can jump sort of back and forwards, but like towards the end, he has like a, a large kind of speech about what will happen if the truth gets out. And it sounds horrendous. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah. want this to get out. It's like, you're probably right. Let's, let's, let's do this shit. Like, <laughs> uh, but then Dane makes the decision that he'd rather just go to the beach and you know, screw humanity. <laughs> So they're having this big meeting and this is where we see the, do we know they're the pearls at this time? So the pearls, I think the, the, we know, they, they look the same, they're all shiny and glowy and stuff. The pearls come in and they, they goob everybody. Mm-hmm. And Peace, um, Peacefully goob. Mm-hmm. Peace, yeah, they, they're, they're obviously, yeah, they, they, they're using peace goob uh, <laughs> just to stop people from, I don't know, getting up after them. I'm not sure. Uh, this is when I, I noticed things that kind of grated on me a little bit is that um, Valerian, the character, notices that everyone's getting goobed and hiding and um, has this like little device he puts into his mouth. Mm-hmm. Which when he does this, I think it's like, oh, that's just like a, must be a respirator or something because he knows mm-hmm. he's going to get goobed at some point too. But it turns out to be like an oddly specific tool that will get him out of the goob, but I can't see any other use for it. Exactly. Uh, I could not agree with you more. At first I thought, oh, very smart, very cool. So he's got a little breathing device in his mouth. You know, he must use this all the time. Yeah. For, and, then, and then this little spider, little mechanical spider thing crawls out and uh, cuts the goob open from the inside. It's, it's oddly specific. And, <laughs> it's oddly, and why did it need to be in his mouth? I don't understand <laughs> that part. Because I thought to myself afterwards, so I was like, well, maybe, like, you know, it was, uh, you know, just a, a general getting out of things kind of device. Mm-hmm. But, like, but why would it need to be in his mouth then? But then, and then I thought, well, the other thing was if, you had to, if it needs to be in his mouth as a sort of thingy bob, so what if they just come over and handcuffed him? And you'd be like, they'd be like, spit that out. And then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Uh, no, I, I need this for uh, I need this <laughs> for reasons. I, I, because I, because beca plot. Because <laughs> plot. Yeah, because it looks cool and um, it has a laser on a spider. <laughs> and how much do you think? Like, I'm I'm. You haven't read the original source material, the comics that this is all based on, those French comics, uh, Valerian and Laureline, have you? No, I haven't. So, and I don't know if I want to now, but well, they're, they're, I, they're huge, right? Oh, yes. Well, it's been going on. It, 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 the series is finished now, but I think it's, yeah, decades long of, um, yeah, been going since the 60s, 70s maybe. Um, but... See, I whenever I see things that are oddly specific, and I know it's been adapted from source material, I always think, "Oh, is that like something that was a big deal in the original material?" And and they, they you know, it just kind of it doesn't suit where it's been. It feels like it's just been ham-fisted into the plot because it's right. Yeah, you know, it's trying to pay homage to the original material, and it doesn't kind of really fit there. Um, but did you know if it does? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's just a, we're giving it that other pass. Well, no, that's what I mean. I mean that uh, I see something like a, a an oddly specific thing, like yeah. that mouth spider. It's like a I fan think, oh, call out. Yeah, exactly. I think oh, it was probably something from the from the comic, uh, but no, I don't, it doesn't get an automatic pass from me because <laughs> it doesn't make sense in the story world for people who are seeing the movie for the first time. You know, for cinema audiences. Yeah, it's like walking past an open doorway and you see something inside of it. And you initially think that's cool and just carry on walking, but then you're like something in your head grates and you like have to go back and I look in the door and go, no, that doesn't make any sense. There shouldn't be a swimming pool yeah. in there. Just keep walking. Don't go just, back. Just, Don't look too closely. Okay. <laughs> it's like the sun. Just exactly. There around the outsides. Exactly. That's, that's how I felt about this movie. I mean, it's very nice to look at, but don't look too closely because if you start to unpick it, it's just all going to unravel. <laughs> It's very true. Um, so the, then there's like a, a weird chase sequence after this. So uh, after using the wonderful mouth spider to release himself and then just a knife to uh, to get rid of uh, Kara's character's uh, goob, uh, yep. then he does like a, a long run yeah, through, which is through cool, balls right? and stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those scenes where I kind of, it was in the 3D sort of era. So I wonder if it was mm. like, oh, we need to put something 3D in. Because I imagine it plays quite well in 3D, the various mm -hmm. bits kind of flying at you. So it's a massive, once again, this guy's not into people, massive disregard for property and just general... Just smashing through this entire space station filled yeah. with different races who all have different customs who, like, some of them probably wouldn't get along with other ones. So, you know, you're just disrupting the whole balance the whole ecosystem going and i was just thinking as well i was like how because he's because uh you know valerian's like bashing through all these walls just doing this really long uh what's that x-men character who like juggernaut who just goes through juggernaut all the walls. yeah so yeah he's just doing a badass juggernaut run and i'm just thinking how close are all these alien species living they all seem to be living like you know like what is it a little uh, apartment block because he's like going through walls and he's just like yeah, and they're separated by like tiny thin fucking walls exactly. they're like <laughs> and i mean like at one point he's in like a which must be a huge fish tank right it's like massive going through it just smashes out the side of it it's like they're all dead now 
Yeah, but, exactly. but not only they're dead, they're dead flapping around like, uh, and but then like the, weirdly, rather than putting the fish tank at the bottom of the, the space station, it's, it, it feels like it's near the top because then he falls out the other side. So <laughs> they're all gasping for water. Meanwhile, everyone else below them is drowning in like that town that was about the dam burst recently. It's just... Isn't it? So don't you think like if the movie... So do you think that if the movie was like that... Uh, engaging and we love the character that we forgive something like that and you just be like oh yeah it's just a cool scene yeah just definitely I think, I think it's because you, you, you just want him to die at every turn so like every time he smashes through something where he should die and he doesn't die you're just horribly disappointed and it sticks in your memory <laughs> <laughs> this is true this is true and this is why it doesn't get a pass because what should be a really cool scene that's just a like cool action scene ends up uh, just us wanting to pick apart every single little bit of logic instead of enjoying it for what it is. You know? and, and physics, because at the end he smashes out um, because she gets the number upside down, right? Because it's not, right. oh, it's not 18. It, it's not 81, it's 18. Um, he smashes out and, um, oh, I'm in space and he falls. <laughs> yeah, he's falling through space. <laughs> through space, through space, mm-hmm. falling through mm-hmm. space. Um, and then he gets into a ship which then has, <laughs> he's weightless in the ship. <laughs> and, when, and then gravity appears. Hmm. Hmm. And, yeah. and, then, and whilst falling through space, so my, my mind's going, ah, that's wrong. <laughs> then they have, like, as, as we mentioned before, there's a lot of cringy dialogue in here. But this is the worst part of, like the worst of all the dialogues. Because he's like, oh, you know, are you sure it's thingy books? I've just crashed into outer space. And she's like, Oh no, sorry, I meant eighteen. And he's like, "Don't worry about it. We all make mistakes." But like, yeah. with, like no passion or inflection or yeah. anything. You were so. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. So he's falling. That's exactly right. And he goes, "Don't worry about it. We all make mistakes." <laughs> it's like I don't know. Are you trying to be like? Are you flirting with her right now? Like you're falling. It's oh, it's such a miss. It's such a miss. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. Then he's on a ship and he's, he's chasing Cliver, uh, the, the people that have kind of kidnapped Cliver. And in a cool kind of chase sequence, um, I don't know what his goal is here to kill Cliver because he's, yeah. he's shooting at the ship. He's just following. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Cara Delevingne is being very unhelpful at the monitor, just, just being like, oh, go faster. Oh, they're getting <laughs> Can, can, I'm losing you. Can you go faster? Thank you for being very unhelpful and <laughs> narrating exactly what we're seeing on screen. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm on a lot of pressure here. Um, <laughs> if you're not going to be useful, could you <laughs> just be quiet? But yeah, uh-huh. I think several times she shouts that he has to go faster. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's going as fast as he can go. And <laughs> Even then, if he was going faster, what's, what's going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And then the movie takes a turn, which hmm. is the biggest detour of the whole film for me. So, okay, so Dane DeHaan gets miss, goes missing off, off the little uh, blinky screen. Yep. <laughs> He's gone too fast. He's in the dead zone now. And uh, what's Laureline going to do? She's going to go after him. So there's this is crazy, like, it's like 20 minutes of this side quest where she, in order to find out where he's gone, she needs to <laughs> go to the bottom of an ocean, find a magical jellyfish that's attached <laughs> to a giant whale, 
unplug this jellyfish barnacle from this whale thing, put her head up its butt, and then <laughs> go on this <laughs> psychedelic trip in order to sense where Valerian <laughs> is in the spaceship. I don't. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Chime in. Um, I, I really wish you were wrong because I've never heard it said out loud before, but <laughs> you've 100% nailed what happens next. And it just sounds like a fever dream, <laughs> yeah, like utter bullshit. I mean, you, and, and you missed out the fact that like it's three kind of weird like snork things or the, um, the guys from the raccoons, uh, him, Cyril Sneer. Three Cyril Sneers are telling her to go and stick, find this jellyfish, stick it on her head and, and find uh-huh. out where it is. And, and the greatest thing about it is that he's about two yards away from where he disappeared off her radar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She could have just, exactly, the power of deduction, Laurelie, and you could have just, oh, surely there was, there was a better way of, of explaining the side quest of how she's going to locate where her partner is than that crazy sequence that, that they put together. <laughs> I think this may have been, maybe this is one of these things you referred to earlier. I think this may be of like a, a, a box ticking uh, callback to the original source material because um, I was reading in the trivia that uh, in the original uh, two books that this is mostly based on, Valerian is actually goes missing for most of the, thing is it's only in the beginning and the end of it and it's actually uh, Loreline is the main protagonist in the in the book that it, this particular uh, Valerian episode was based on oh that's interesting okay so this was um Luc Besson you know trying to give Loreline some power as a character and getting her to do her own her own thing her own yeah her yeah. own quest so he, he gives oh. the empowerment and then gets mm. her then it gets her fished. Like then, as, soon as, as soon as she meets up with a man, whoosh, <laughs> off she goes, off to rescue again. Uh, yeah, exactly. So she finally finds him, she rescues him. And then what's, what's she going to do after, yeah, the empowerment of rescuing her man and like, you know, ain't going to do no stereotypes here. She's found him. He's okay. She saved him. And then, oh, pretty butterfly. <laughs> So then she touches this yeah, lovely electronic butterfly um, because she's a woman. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could have been slightly more insulted. It could have been like pieces of clothing they were fishing with. <laughs> they should have just done it that way and, and not been around the bush. Ooh, shoes. <laughs> oh, shoes on sale. <laughs> Don't touch the shoes on sale. Why not? They're not always for sale. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and there she goes. She gets whisked off and is uh, kidnapped by a race of... How would you describe this race of alien that she's uh, kidnapped um, by? I thought they were the most emotive character in the film, to be fair. Um, they're kind of like tiny, boggle-eyed, head, but large, fat body things. <laughs> I actually quite liked them, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I particularly like, because then um, she's she's... Like it feels like she's going to get married or something, and there's like mm-hmm. a, obviously like a, a handmade version of this alien who's trying to get a dress for her. I, mm-hmm. I liked I liked her. <laughs> she was because she was she was uh yeah she she was she was actually the only thing that was uh that made me sort of giggle laugh out loud. She was 
true comic relief as a as a side character, wasn't she? This uh, alien handmaid. Um, yeah, and she wouldn't take no for an answer. And she was just like you know, she you could tell she enjoyed her job. She mm. was uh, she was happy, and she she couldn't understand why why uh, Loreline wasn't happy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh gosh, I can't believe we're still getting through this plot. This is, we're not even like, are we halfway through yet? I don't even know. Uh, we can skip tons. <laughs> I mean, it appears they did. So why should we not bother? This is when um, Rihanna gets in on the action. Yes, yes, uh, Rihanna, uh, which is a fun cameo. I mean, she was one of the Ethan cards. So I mentioned Ethan Hawke as well. As, as I didn't realise his name, I'm looking at IMDb now, was Jolly the Pimp. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know his, his character name either. But um, yeah, it actually took me a second to recognise Ethan Hawke. I didn't know that he was in this film. And so when he made his appearance as the seedy bar uh, club owner... I Jolly like, the Pimp. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, is that... Is that... No. I was like, oh my God, that's Ethan Hawke with a nose ring. <laughs> Um, and then Rihanna, yeah, Rihanna. So, so uh, what is it? So, Larian goes to find a shapeshifter to help him break in to the alien googly eye lair to get yes. back Laurelie, who's been because you can't go in there unless you're a googly eyed or maybe heavily armed. Who knows? <laughs> who knows other ways you could possibly go in there? But yeah, he, he needs a shapeshifter. Um, and then it meets uh, Rihanna, who um, does a really cool dance, which is it's. It's done quite well with all the visual effects as she's changing and shape-shifting uh, costumes and identities. Um, I thought that was quite cool. Except he and this whole dance, sort of strip-teasy dance that Rihanna's doing, um, uh, Valerian is very much like, he only has one expression and that's, <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> he just keeps doing it to her. And I was like... <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. You just know that in his head he's going, I'm on a mission, I'm on a mission, I'm on a mission, I'm on a mission. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's well done. I mean, like, um, if Rihanna banged out that particular routine on the Britain's Got Talent, I think she'd get at least to the final, right? Oh, I would think so. In, look, but for me, actually, that's, that uh, dance sequence was uh, one, of the, one of the pros of the film. I enjoyed it. I thought that scene think was quite interesting tiny weeny bit over long i think that they uh they were squeezing out their time with rihanna so they probably only had her on set for like a couple of days and they wanted to use every single take of her <laughs> yeah i mean personally, i felt that anything that sort of stopped dialogue happening was was more than welcome they could have spread it out for another 20 minutes this film just doesn't have a uh, pace it, no pace at all. So we're doing these like sort of side quest, side missions. So again, mm. Valerian's off doing a side mission to recover uh, Laureline. So it's like the exact opposite. So where before Valerian was stranded and Laureline had to go on a side mission to save him, now it's just reversed. And it just seems very <clears throat> counterproductive to moving a story forward. <laughs> he wears... <laughs> He wears Rihanna um, <laughs> um, mm. and changes into the blobby Google Eye thing and eventually rescues um, Loreline with, a, with a, a lengthy action sequence. Lengthy. And then that's, that's, it for, that's it for Rihanna. Yeah, we don't even like see her like no. 
death throw. It's like the, we don't she's, see the, the reason for it. She just is no, dying. She's mortally, yeah, mortally wounded somehow in the battle, which we don't <laughs> see where or how. So she kind of does this. Which sounds like a, a shit description, but that's exactly what she says. Like, oh, must have got injured in that fight somehow. <laughs> I know. It's just sort of, she literally says, I'm dying. And, uh, and, that's supposed to be a sort of, yeah, self-sacrifice moment where a character is sacrificing herself for the mission or for the lead character so he can learn something. So, uh, yeah, but no, it's just like, he's like, you're the best strip dancer ever. <laughs> like, thank you, I can die in peace. And that's tag out, Brianna. Yeah. <laughs> where is she? She was right behind us. I'm here. What's wrong? I must have been injured during the fight. Bubble, tell me what to do. Nothing you can do. Anywhere where I'm from, life is more painful than death. Don't say that. Unfortunately, it's true. Life's a drag when you don't have an identity to call your own. You do have an identity. Greatest artist I've ever seen. I thank you. It was my pleasure performing for you. Oh, before I die, here's Nefertiti, just in case, because I didn't <laughs> do that one in the show. I'm just going to quickly. <laughs> Part of my contract, yeah. <laughs> quickly smash out Nefertiti and then dust. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and the whole time Laureline's just standing there sort of like awkwardly looking and as while the two of them are sharing this lovely death scene poignant moment. And uh, she's just like, uh, can we go now? You know? She's <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, I, I don't know who the blue person was. I'm going to kind of get that, you know, you met her for five minutes for God's sakes. Let, yeah. let, it, let it go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You normally show casual disregard for human life. What does this one matter? <laughs> what happens next? Well, this is now the sort of the final thing. This is we we like you know, delayed the plot long enough, and then suddenly there's a, a lot of exposition. Um, it turns out that the the initial Armageddon we saw of the, that the, the home planet was caused by Clive Owen having a battle above the planet. Um, and winning mm. the battle, like you said earlier, just doing good military stuff, really. Um, yeah. They then the, the, then transpires that some of the survivors managed to get onto the space station and have been living in secret in a, in the middle of it. Um, Clive Owen doesn't want them to be living in the middle of it, so he conducted this random plot to hide the information, but then to kill them somehow. He, I would love yeah. for us to, what you know, the plot that we've just described over the past however long we've been chatting, I would like us to ch- transcribe this into words and post this on IMDb as a plot summary. <laughs> it's bananas. <laughs> it's just, uh, I think when you hear someone say it out loud, it just makes less and less sense. Um, at the, the more you talk about it, it's, it's one of those things where as you start to explain the plot, someone should just come over and just put your, their finger on your lips and just give you a gentle shh. <laughs> okay, it's okay. It's going to be okay. 
<laughs> Let's not speak of these things. <laughs> Just go watch the fifth element. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> yes, come on. So, but the aliens, they kind of make this weird, like, hollow deck home. And you're like, oh, cool, they made a holodeck home. But then it turns out it's just a spaceship and they go off anyway. Yeah, blasting through the rest of the space station, leaving all the other alien races to, you know, be exposed to damage and... Space. <laughs> space. <laughs> space damage like, is the worst kind. Because, like, well, like, they're right in the middle, right? So They're right in the middle. They blast their spaceship through the entire, you know, giant space station. So it's like, well, they're okay. What about all the people that you've left in your wake? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they are the assholes after all. I mean, what twist? <laughs> um, but Clive Owen lives somehow. Somehow they they manage to blast out within the spaceship, but leave him hanging behind. Mm, yes, there's time to tie him up, teach him a lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they must have just pulled forward a little bit, got out. Oh yeah, and then up. oh. <laughs> Yeah, tie him up, but in a funny, a comical way, not just a regular way. Just gonna, you know, leave him hanging from the. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. and that brings us in. Well, actually, no, it's not quite the end, is it? Because we have a kind of a, like a James Bond oh, uh, floating it's section. Because it's a long film, too, right? It's yeah, not... it's fun. And when how you, long when is it? Two hours seventeen minutes. So yeah. yeah, and how does how does it all finish? Because. You watched it today. I've, I've already oh, forgot. No. I watched it two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> they end up kissing and everything's oh. okay. But it's one of those slightly boring kisses because if people don't like, they make, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Oh, oh that's right. And um, at the beginning of the film, he asked her to marry him. But in, in kind of a joking way, I was like, was that a serious... Uh, it didn't sound very sincere or like you meant it. Anyway, and then at the end, doesn't she still... Doesn't he bring it up again? And she's like... We'll see. Or something yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Whilst voraciously kissing. We'll see. And then he mentions his playlist, which is a weird reference to anything, I think. Like, if you have people and they're referred to as a playlist, you shouldn't marry that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So has, has Valerian uh, grown from, this, from this, uh, this journey, this life-changing journey? Have, has he learned anything? Has he grown up? Is there any character development to be had? I don't think so. Because I don't think at the end, I'm still not convinced that he's not just going to, you know, bed Lorelein and then just pop off and find himself another bubble. Yeah. So we've learnt nothing. (laughs) We've learnt nothing. (laughs) We've achieved and learnt nothing. I think it's one of those films as well where if they'd done nothing, then the same thing would have happened. Because if he hadn't nicked the thing in the first place, they would have had the um, the multiplier. What was it called again? <laughs> converter. Oh, converter. They'd have had the converter and the pearl, and they'd have just gone back. They'd have made their spaceship okay, and then they'd have just flown away without any of the damage or destruction. Of, I assume. <laughs> so had they done nothing, nothing at all. Nothing had, at all. Had Dane simply stayed at home. <laughs> had Kara just taken one for the team and actually agreed mm-hmm. to marry him and take him to the beach then mm-hmm. everything would have been fine. Rihanna would still be alive today. <laughs> she would be. She would be. She would be. Yeah. That has brought us to the end of the film. So is there any sort of summary? Or, um, does this go in the bunker? Does this, do we lock this down and you know just pretend it didn't exist? Or does it go free in the world because there's enough goodness to save it? Uh, look, 
I would, I have so much respect uh, for Luc Besson and his body of work. And I do respect the vision that he's, that he's tried to bring to, to life here. Um, I love the genre. I like his eye for it. But the story, the acting, the execution, no, no, no. Let's, let's just pretend this one didn't happen and let's, let's try again. Yeah, maybe we could do the, like, the, the reverse. Like, uh, like they did with like La Femme Nikita, they took like a popular French film um, and then Americanized it. Maybe they could reverse this <laughs> and take this piece mm. of shit <laughs> and then Frencherize it with some decent You know actors. what? Yes. Because it's got potential. I can see the potential there. But it's just been, yes, bastardized with this American overlay that is just so cringe. I, I don't even know where to, where to begin. Um, so, yeah, they should, that's a great idea. You should let him know that he should. <laughs> if he uh, wants to play, I'll get him on the phone. <laughs> if he wants to try again, you and I would be willing to give it one more shot if he wants to reverse and French, Frenchize it. <laughs> Frencherize it, yeah. I promise, and if Luke Bessel's listening, I know he's a big fan. Um, uh, I promise if he Frencherizes it, I will go to the cinema and watch it. And I'll pay the 3D um, tax as well. I'll, I'll do the lot. You know what? I, I, I'll do that too. There you go, <laughs> Luke, if you're listening, we would do that. But unfortunately, this is staying in the bunker. It has to. You're the guest. <laughs> you get the final choice and you're saying, you're saying lock it, bury it deep. Deep, 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 deep. In a, in a jellyfish's butthole, please. <laughs> For one minute and 11 seconds. <laughs> Maybe we all need a jellyfish. Apparently, if you stay in there for longer than a minute, it starts eating your memory. Maybe if I find one, stick my head up its butt, Ooh. I'll forget this film ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> it might take something important, like how to make pancakes instead, and then I'll be fucked. So. <laughs> Would it be do? worth it though, just to erase this film? I think it's worth the risk. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for joining me today, Tal, and um, going through this film. Um, I so much enjoyed hearing the plot description said out loud uh, because it sounds like the ramblings of a mad woman, um, but it was oh. it was spot on. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for having me so much. Uh, you know what? This isn't how I thought this conversation was going to go. I actually wrote a couple of like very uh, well summarized dot points that I was going to, you know, very sophisticatedly uh, say to you. Um, but uh, as it turned out, we just rambled on. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just sorry. Go <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Do you want to just give us a shout out for these sophisticated dot points? <laughs> no no i think what we said uh was was a, a lot a lot funnier <laughs> okay fair enough all right uh, cool well i'll let you get on um with your life and your day and um um i won't promise that we won't call you again um to get you back on to review more oh, films because you're um you're always amazing and fun to have on oh anytime anytime thanks so much Matt. oh great chat there matt Thank you. It was my. Um, I just wanted to shout out. This is that was my first interview with zero technical problems, and I was so happy afterwards. I was a little yeah. fuzzy bee. And it's nice that did you, you know the Rihanna thing is a is a is a bit of an issue, isn't it? The, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's various issues in there. The Rihanna moments are interesting. I don't know <laughs> if that's the way to sort of describe it, but yeah, yeah. But, I like Rihanna. But it, 
Yeah. Why would you like Rihanna? She needs a good bath. Wow. I don't like her. Why do you think she needs a bath? Because I think she just, I think she doesn't do herself any, or her mother any favours. Do you think she's scrubby? Um, I, I, I don't know. She's just not as, just as not my cup of tea. Wow. Well, there you Sorry. go. Devastating news for Rihanna and millions of fans there. <laughs> How will I'm she sorry, ever really. fucking cope? So, so Matthew, it's your turn to pitch because I pitched last time. So I want to hear your movie idea and I'm going to listen and then I'm going to pour one hell of a dollop of spoon <laughs> on it. <laughs> it's good to know that you're coming into this with uh, an open mind. Um, so to preface... Uh, um, I've only written one page of notes this time because there's a lot of this is in me because this is a story that I've been thinking about for a while, I think, for a little while, for some time, a period of time I've been thinking about this and I, I became slightly distressed um, that there's a there's a, a Netflix, uh, Netflix or Amazon series which has um, Martin Thingy Bob and David Tennant in it as an angel and a demon. And I'm, 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 yes. I'm worried that there's a, a similarity, but I haven't watched it. People won't believe me if it turns out to be the same thing. <coughs> um, Martin Sheen. There you go. Martin Sheen, yeah. Yeah, Martin Sheen and David Tennant. Good pairing um, as well, aren't they? Yeah, well, I haven't watched it on purpose. I wanted to do yeah. this first, get this out there, and then if it turns out to be the same, then I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, it's, it's coincidental. I, I, is this the? Is this? I've got a feeling this could be the same movie pitch that you pitched me back in two thousand and six in Las Vegas. Oh, really? Is it that, is it that old, old in my brain? I don't it know. Might, it might. I don't know if it's the same pitch, but you've you've. I was quite drunk back then, so it's possible. No, this was a, during a uh, one of the many shopping mall um, visits that we did, and we were sat by a fountain whilst right. our wives were shopping, and you pitched to me this a film I'm, I'm i'm wondering whether this is it it's entirely possible because this has been knocking around in the old brain box for a while let's go i've got my eyes closed so now oh, 2006 maybe it wasn't but yeah anyway we'll give it a go right so there was a bit of flourish added to it today which wasn't there previously so this is this is it so um th- this is an alternative universe an alternative universe um where angels and demons are not only real but they inhabit the same world as us. They walk the same streets as us. So um, humans are seen very much as a lower class um, in the beginning is, you know, because they are both subservient to demons and um, not holy enough for angels to give their time to. So almost completely ignored by them. Um, and so like they were, in the beginning of this film, there'd be some sort of exposition about how you know, this began, started, moved through time. Um, you know, like the beginning of Watchmen, where we have kind of the alternative universe with the superheroes introduced. Yeah, kind of like that. So then we can see, like you know, like a um, like the movement through history of human uses slaves by the demons. Um, then kind of like a like a Martin Luther King kind of figure for the humans, and then like a Rosa Parks thing. So not so much aping on the race thing, but just how we get to a sort of modern era status where we've got angels demons and humans legally and um 
politically on the same footing, but very much still this undertone of second class citizens and, you know, not being quite right, held back, not in the positions of power, etc. You with mm, me? I'm with you. <clears throat> right. So that's the sort of preface of the, the, the film. This is the universe that this film is then set in. Um, a human child is born, a girl, um, which fulfills the signs and importance of a certain prophecy, um, which matches um, an angelic historical prophecy, which states that the child will bring about the true ascension of the angels and the destruction of the demon kind. Mm. Same time, there's um, Charles Bourne, which fulfills an ancient demon prophecy about the dissension of the demons um, and the destruction of the angel kind. What's interesting is that, well, I, I believe to be interesting and hope others would agree, um, is that the, 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 both the prophecies refer to the same child. So, mm-hmm. so there's some interpretation of ancient texts that believe this child to be either the destruction of the angels or the destruction of the demons and the ascension of either of those mm. inversely. Mm. Uh-huh. So what happens is because you get like these hardline radical people in uh, angels and demons in both sets is that um, the people, the religious sects that believe in them being the, you know, the, 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 uh, the savior of their people, um, sets, they give, they, they say, send along a, um, a protector. So there's one angel protector and there's one demon protector. So this is where the film sort of starts off, um, where you've got, you know, these, this angel protector and this demon protector, both believing that they're protecting their savior, but also believing that there's a chance that they might actually bring around the destruction of their kind. Mm. So this is how it goes. And then obviously various action sequences will then transpire with attacks, counterattacks, various other bits and pieces. There will be the certain odd couple buddy movie. So th- I'm not really sure in my mind, I haven't really f- firmed this down in my head whether or not this is a film that's going to be played kind of dark and serious or DC-like or as a, as a light brevity kind of film with a slightly serious undertone. So mm. we're, we're thinking either sort of like Harry Potter kind of vibe where the film grows through its many, many sequels <laughs> or mm. whether or not it... Um, Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it holds a holds a sort of darker, say, Lord of the Rings kind of tone throughout the whole mm-hmm. of its uh, its 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 movement through. I was thinking, um, uh, I was talking to my daughter this earlier, and she suggests that it stays funny, and she wanted the Rock as the angel protector, and Ke- Kevin Hart as the demon protector. <laughs> but then she's a big Jumanji fan. So, you know, but then I thought to myself that would actually work <laughs> probably quite well. Uh, but you could have it. So, so either you could start it off as, as keep it as the baby or you could just progress a few years so that you could have kind of like this thing. Um, I've got in my head that there's a twist, but I, I'm, I'm kind of protective of this. and I, I'm not sure I wanted to say the twist or where it will go 
because a mm. not really fleshed out b like you know why am i going to ruin this film for people like the hundreds of people that can listen to this podcast yeah 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 tens of hundreds ten tens just yeah. pe- people will listen to this <laughs> so yes so there there it is there there's there's the pitch and i'm not sure that is the vegas film but this that's the pitch no it's not the vegas film that's the pitch did you, you want to know what i think I'm I'm free to um, I'm ready and honestly, um, honestly, it bored me to fucking tears. <laughs> I mean, yeah. for half of that, I wasn't even listening. Right, I was, I was on my phone checking. My... I did notice that your eyes kind of left mine for a while, yeah. and just you know, Have I, you thought, seen... I, I thought you were texting, you know, a director and like we need to get on this right away. <laughs> Um, I thought that was what you were doing. <laughs> have you seen Bright, uh, Netflix movie? Which I have. Have, I have, and I'm, I'm aware of you know there is you know these 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 sort of universes that exist. Even the um the you know the, the uh, have you seen Star Wars? I've seen Star Wars. You know, the Chosen One. You know, a child is born. Yeah. To, to, to bring balance to the Force. Have you seen? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. Well, I mean, this is basically just a massive wank in it. Basically, <laughs> you've just sat and wanked off and then written it down <laughs> because it's absolute <laughs> fucking dog shit. There is some jizz yeah. on this, but I thought that was just <laughs> just excitement. <laughs> I didn't even have to touch myself. I just read and then. Yeah, I... yeah. You just, you know, it's honestly, it's like George R.R. R. Martin's, you know, younger, un- uneducated brother had a go at fucking writing a story <laughs> i had nothing to do with that last season i've told you this already <laughs> uh no it's it's interesting it's very interesting and i can see you know i'm visual you can visualize this quite easily because we've watched a lot of films of this kind of dark universe type of thing and even constantine and stuff like that where there's angels and demons and uh, yeah, living, uh, uh, living amongst people. It's, it's heavily inspired by that kind of thing, as well as you know, District Nine and stuff. I, do, I mean, God, fuck no, I wouldn't want to be as ham-fisted as Blomkamp is with his, uh, you know, nodding to the uh, the apartheid issues. So yeah. you know, it, 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 even though in the initial get go, um, it presents that as you know, always is going to be racially charged. It, it's not. It just wants to create this sort of. A feeling of conflict if that makes yeah, sense yeah it, it does make sense because you've got to have, you know naturally like it'd be people that would, would have a would feel that they were more superior than others based on the fact that they have you know potentially might have some special powers in in um, a bit of in, wingage in, bit of yeah wingage. yeah yeah and what would they do it's like the elves uh, who live in you know a, a very nice area in town and then the you know the trolls or whatever they are the orcs live in a in a, in the slums and stuff like that so it's just surely i think it's cool <laughs> surely yeah um there's some but obviously there's loads of room for a political uh, and social commentary that running through all the way through it and i think that's uh that's you know the more <laughs> and the more of that of the better you know <laughs> thinking about uh Thinking as well as watching, food for the mind as well as for the eyes. Yeah, um, say isn't it? So yeah, no, great, great idea. You kind of tra- it trails off a little bit. I mean, to be honest, you know, right at the end there, we were talking about where it's going to go. You know, you're talking films in the future, 
yeah. So the initial the initial film number one would be set building, wouldn't it? I guess and universe yeah. I mean, building. you'd have to create yourself some sort of finale to capture the minds uh, and interest of people, because <laughs> you know, not everyone's going to instantly jizz when they see this. Um, no. Yeah, there'd have to be some. I mean, I, I, you know, it's not fully fleshed out. I might need to get some help with some of the finer details, <laughs> like what happens. Um, yeah, but you're not necessarily, in terms of story premising and writing, a lot of it just comes from a, a concept first. And then, you know, people are draw, brought, brought in to just sort of give... But yeah, at its, at its heart, it's three men and a baby. Um, it's a, a buddy movie. It's, you know, people looking after a child they'll go fun to um and then there will be a betrayal of some form you know either one will really realize that the other one's prophecy is correct um or they'll both realize that the prophecy is is utter bullshit um mm. you know questions of faith you know where do they put their faith in in what they're told to do or what they actually morally believe they should do you know mm. um do they conquer their natural superiority over the human child or do they you know realize that we're all just the same deep down apart from some of be, us are angels and some of us are demons and other people yeah humans. it could be that it's just it's, it's a middle-aged boarding man's wild dream and he wakes up with a saliva going down the side of his face he, oh, oh. yeah and then shoots he himself in the forehead <laughs> and it's Stephen yeah. graham all along <laughs> Dwayne Johnson uh, for mask. <laughs> hey, calm down. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Stephen Graham comes back. Oh dear. No, oh, I mean, uh, well, you put so much more effort into yours than, than I do to mine. But this That's is it. This is um, this is the the t- the two kind of pre ones. Um, from here on, it's going to be you know the same as you are like two minutes before, and I'll think of some random shite. <laughs> jot it down and hope for the best <laughs> well my, my my ideas come best to me at night time or in the morning so i've just woken up after having a very strange dream and then and then you know if i before i go to bed i just think oh yeah that's a good idea like i had a really good idea for a film and uh thought oh, i'll remember that in the morning but i didn't um gotta start but, keeping a notepad and pen by the yeah, bed yeah yeah but your film that you pitched to me in Las Vegas in 2006, 2007, whenever it was, yeah. was not that one. So off mic, I'm going to have to remind you of that and you're going to have to... I'll do that if, next time. Yeah, I'll see, see if it's still happens. with you. Yeah. Is it still with you? You might have, think, you might have been there off years ago, but uh, I, do, I do remember it because um, when you're young and, and uh, without children, you sort of ponder this sort of thing in a lot more detail than you perhaps do nowadays when you... I like it as well because it's like a little cliffhanger for our listeners. It's like, ah, oh, I want to know what that film was. The one that was Vegas 2006, the famous Vegas 2006 story. Six movie. And it, I can tell you that one of the lead character, it was played by Simon Pegg. Wow. Oh, I need to know now. Let's, let's bin this right. off. I need, we need to chat. Okay, so if you like, same old thing from me, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, oh, I forgot you, the pleading. I forgot the pleading, sorry. We're going to do some, a little bit of pleading there. If you haven't done already, because I know you all rushed out last time and, and subscribed and downloaded and, and re- left a review and gave us a five-star rating just to let everyone else know that we're here, it helps. Um, and if you want to do some fan art for these films that we're, we're pitching, oh, that would be that. amazing. That would be um, my favourite thing in the whole wide world. 
do some crappy um, or even not crappy, but very good, uh, you know, word art. Um, I think it has posters. to be one or the other, like middle ground artwork. You can fucking keep that, mate. Stow that shit away. It either has to be exceptional or so utterly shit and done in paint that it makes me cry with laughter. Yeah. So go back and listen to the uh, the pitch episodes and see if you fancy doing some mock-up movie posters. And uh, if you listen to the podcast, you know who our favourite actors are. And so um, as long as The Rock and and, uh, Dwayne Jobs Johnson, who's the same person, and (laughs) Gerard Butler are there, um, potentially Sir Ian um, McKellen as well can pop up here and there. Um, But yeah, download, enjoy the podcast and do whatever you can to support us. It means a lot. So um, until next time, I guess. Bye. Bye.